gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Back to my two cents podcast episode 47, which is entitled Who Do We Want? Um, before I start off the topics, I have to start off with a condolences to a Mr. Ronnie Wilson. He was the co-founder of the Gap Band. He died at the age of 73. He passed away on Tuesday morning, November the 2nd, and it was in a statement from his wife from TMZ. She said that her husband suffered a stroke last week and never recovered. And he was hailing from Tulsa, Oklahoma. The Gap Band consisted of brothers Ronnie, Charlie, and Robert Wilson. After initially serving as a backing band for fellow Oklahomian Leon Russell, the brothers found their own success after linking up with record producer Lonnie Simpsons, well, Lonnie Simmons and signing to Mercy Records. The Gap Band's 1979 self-titled album produced the group's first top 10 single with Shake. The following year, the band followed up album The Gap Band 2 achieved gold status thanks in part to the single Don't Believe You Want to Get Up and Dance, Oops, which peaked at number four on the Billboard R&B charts 25 years later. The song was sampled by Mark Ronson on his hit song, Uptown Funk. After Charlie Wilson collaborated with Stevie Wonder on 1980's I Ain't Gotta Stand For It, the Gap Band achieved a whole new level of fame. Their album, The Gap Band 3, went number one on the R&B chart and number 16 on the Billboard Top 200 and featured a trio of top 10 singles in Yearning For Your Love, Burn Rubber, On Me, Why You Wanna Hurt Me, and Humpin'. They earned their second number one album two years later with the Gap Band 4, which was led by a pair of number one singles, Early in the Morning and Outstanding, as well as by You Dropped a Bomb on Me, which peaked at number two. Notably, David Grohl has cited Early in the Morning as the song that inspired his drum intro on Nirvana's Smell Like Teen Spirit. So that just tells you a little bit about that right there. I don't know much about uh, the Gap Band, except for Outstanding, because I often keep on saying this. I listen to Joe Budden podcast, and every time a down moment happens, he always play Outstanding to cheer up him and the guys and to get the listeners back into a cheerful moment. And that's what I know about the Gap Band. I know Charlie Wilson because Charlie Wilson has been on a number of record songs with T.I., Snoop Dogg, um, and Everybody else probably just uses uh, Uncle Charlie Wilson. So that's how I know Charlie Wilson. But the Gap Band, I don't know much. But to hear that one of his brothers passed is a horrible thing. So I do wish uh, the Wilson family uh, condolences and a speedy, speedy recovery in um, remembering their brother, their father, and their husband all at the same time. Um, everybody to my two cents podcast, we all would love to send out a condolences to them and everybody that is family members to them as well. And with that, please, please, please keep everybody in the Wilson families in your prayers as today is Sunday. And, um, 
Just keep them in your prayers. Now with that out of the way, let me give you guys the National Food Days of the Week. Today, November 7th, today is Bittersweet Chocolate with Almonds Day. Tomorrow, November 8th, is Cappuccino Day. November 9th, Greek Yogurt Day. November 10th, Vanilla Cupcake Day. November the 11th, Sunday Day. November 12th, Pizza with the Works, except Anchovies Day. And finally, November 13th, Indian Pudding Day. Now with all that taken care of and being squared away, the reason why I say which one do you want is because this week we had the start of two big trials that I believe that nationally we're going to be paying attention to a lot more closely to. It was the start of Kyle Rittenhouse's trial, and Friday was the start of the Amar Arbery trial. So before I get to the Amar Arbery trial, let me get to Kyle Rittenhouse. It was on Tuesday, and this is coming from the uh, USA Today, and it reads, Kyle Rittenhouse's friend, Dominic Black, testifies he brought the gun using the Kenosha shootings. As it reads, Dominic Black got to know Kyle Rittenhouse last year while dating his sister in just a few months, Black told a jury on Tuesday. He considered Rittenhouse a brother and saw him nearly every day. And they were together August 25th, 2020, when they took assault rifles to a protest against police brutality in downtown Kenosha. It was there that Rittenhouse, now 18, fatally shot two men and wounded a third amongst chaotic unrest. Black 20 of Kenosha was the first witness called by the prosecution in Rittenhouse trial on charges of intentional, reckless, and attempted homicide. His lawyers are arguing he acted in self-defense. Black testified that shortly after he got an AR-15 style rifle, Rittenhouse expressed interest in one. During a trip to Black's family hunting property in May 2020, Black agreed to buy a rifle for Rittenhouse, who was 17 and couldn't lawfully buy or possess one. Black said he used Rittenhouse money to make the purchase. That still does not, uh, that doesn't help it at all, so you still give him the gun anyway. Black said they discussed knowing it was illegal, but agreed Rittenhouse wouldn't get the gun himself until he turned 18. That is a lie. If you bought that man there, you gave him that gun. We're just going to call that a straight lie right there, but... Continuing on, they shot a couple hundred rounds that week, Black testified, and that was the only time Rittenhouse had used the weapon until August 25th, 2020. Now, that was the biggest up, like the biggest news thing that came out of Kyle Rittenhouse's trial on Tuesday. On Wednesday, and this has come from the Chicago Tribune, Kyle Rittenhouse's judge stops proceedings and fumes about media criticism. As it reads, the judge in Kyle Rittenhouse's trial went on a prolonged rant about media criticism of the case Wednesday, saying he has followed the law and any assertions otherwise could be detrimental to the community. Kenosha's County Court 
well, County Circuit Judge Bruce began his unusual soliloquy by referencing a recent media report that called the case the most diverse trial in the country. Bruce, the long-serving circuit judge in Wisconsin, has frequently criticized the media during the case, but he rarely acknowledges the trial's large, larger significance. Anything that undermines public confidence in what happens here is very important, Bruce said. It's important for this town, it's important for this country to have people to have confidence in the rest in the result of this trial. Whatever it is, I don't care what it is, but people have to be confident. Bruce made the comments outside of the jury's presence after the defense and prosecutors clashed over a video of the August 2020 unrest being played for the jury. As the two sides sparred, Assistant District Attorney Thomas Binger references Bruce's pretrial ruling about Rittenhouse's team to present evidence suggesting the men Rittenhouse shot participated in looting, rioting, or arson that night. The mention seemed to upset Bruce, who began talking about media coverage of that decision. The judge made national headlines regarding that ruling and another that barred the men Rittenhouse shot from being called victims. The judge received dozens of angry emails about the decision, according to the court records, which he should, because that was a dumb thing. Again, if you have people that got shot, you're going to call them victims, dog, whether you hate to admit that or not, you're going to call the people that got shot victims. Unless they are inside somebody's house and tearing up somebody's house, you can't call them victims for doing that. Now, the men that he shot, they're going to have to find out where they arsonists, looters, or rioters. Other than that, you can't call them them things unless you have that evidence. But until you do, they are victims of a shooting from this kid. And that was the biggest thing that came out of it, the trial Wednesday. And on Thursday, boy, did another thing happen. And this comes from ABC News. A juror was booted in Kyle Rittenhouse's murder trial over a Jacob Black joke. As a reason, a juror in the Kyle... Rittenhouse murder trial in Wisconsin was booted from the case Thursday morning after he acknowledged that he told a tasteless joke to a deputy. The man referred to as juror number seven was dismissed after he was questioned by Kenosha Court Circuit Judge Bruce. The juror said his ill attempt at humor was about Kenosha police officers shooting Jacob Black, a 29-year-old black man in August 2020 a shooting that left Blake paralyzed and set off days of violent protests in Kenosha that accumulated with Rittenhouse allegedly killing two protesters and wounding a third. This is not allegedly. We saw the video of it. It appears that the appearance of bias is present and it would seriously undermine the outcome of the case so that, in, so that it itself would be sufficient charge, for dis, sufficient charge for discharge, Bruce told the juror. The juror responded that my feeling is it has nothing to do with the case. He declined to retell the joke when asked to. Earlier in the hearing, prosecutor Thomas Binger said the man told a joke to a deputy escorting him to his vehicle after court on Tuesday evening. Binger said he was told the joke went something along the lines of why did Kenosha police shoot Jacob Black seven times? Because they ran out of bullets. That is a bad, bad joke. It ain't even funny, bro. The joke is in bad taste. There are a plethora of bad jokes out there and about everything to do with all of this. This is one of them, Binger said. The defense attorneys initially objected to the juror being removed and asked that the panelists repeat the joke so that so that they could hear what was allegedly said when the juror refused. Defense attorney Corey 
relented and, uh, and argued that the juror should be dismissed. So I'm glad they all agreed to that, that he should be dismissed. I mean, sure, they put up a fight and saying, yo, tell me the joke and we'll, we'll see if he needs to be kicked off or not. And when he declined to repeat that joke, so that tells me that he said that joke in the most tasteless a manner of all time. Come on, dog. You can't be saying that, especially with the trial that you're supposedly supposed to be sitting there for and listen to. You're sitting there and saying, hey, yo, remember that other black guy that got killed last year? Well, not killed, but shot up last year? And you telling the joke about how he's paralyzed now? You thought that was funny. No, it was in bad taste. And for you not to repeat that in front of both the prosecutor and if defense attorney and the judge, yeah, you knew you screwed up. You knew you were done. So that's the biggest thing that came out of that Thursday and Friday. And this is coming from Insider. As it reads, Kenosha police officer explains why he didn't arrest Kyle Rittenhouse when he tried to surrender after the shooting. As it reads, a Kenosha police officer who encountered Kyle Rittenhouse moments after he shot three men testified on Friday about why he didn't arrest the teenager who had approached a police convoy with his hands in the air and an AR-15 rifle slugged, well, slunged across his body. Officer Pep Mortez testified on the fourth day of Rittenhouse's homicide trial where the teenager has pled not guilty to fatally shooting two men and injuring a third. Rittenhouse's defense attorneys have argued that the then 17-year-old shot the men in self-defense after they chased him. Last fall, a viral video showed Rittenhouse walking up to the officers as they yelled at him to get out of the way and drove off in the immediate aftermath of the shootings. Critics of the police flaunted the video as proof that white suspects like Rittenhouse can get away with homicide while black suspects are handled more roughly in less serious situations, which we are. We've seen multiple videos of it, but continuing on. But Mortez disputed that narrative on Friday. Mortez told the court there were several reasons why he and his partner hadn't suspected that Rittenhouse was the shooter. Namely, they could still hear active gunfire as Rittenhouse approached, there was still gunfire echoing around us while we were still out on Sheridan. So we still thought there was an active threat, Mortez said. He testified that he and his partner's goal had been to identify the source of the gunfire. Mortez also said the presence of Rittenhouse's AR-15 also hadn't been cause for alarm given the context of the evening. The majority of the people Mortez encountered that night were also armed, he said, whether it was rifles, handguns, bats, or other objects. We were surrounded all night, all week, Mortez said. There was probably more people armed with weapons than not. Mortez also said Rittenhouse hadn't displayed the usual signs of surrender. What? He put his hands in the air. How does he not give up? Anyway, Mortez has Typically, people who are surrendering will drop to their knees and follow commands, but Rittenhouse ignored their commands and continued approaching their vehicle, Mortez says. We were giving him instructions to get out of the roadway and essentially get out of our way so we can go to where we believe the problem to be, Mortez says. The officer also shut down the notion that he and his fellow officer had treated Rittenhouse gently when the teenager obeyed commands. Mortez testified that when Rittenhouse approached the passenger side of the window of the patrol call, Mortez drew his, drew his gun on Rittenhouse, and Mortez's partner in the passenger seat spray, pepper sprayed Rittenhouse. 
He said he didn't know if the spray actually struck Rittenhouse, but it had the desired effect as Rittenhouse abandoned the vehicle and continued walking northbound. So if that was the case, why hasn't there been video to prove that that was true? Let's be honest. There's been videos for every single thing. There's videos of him doing this. There's videos of him walking around with the AR-15 with the gun. I mean, there has been videos of everything. So how and how? And he just said that he walked up to the car. He had his hands in the air. So you guys didn't ask him Ayo, anything. Y'all just let him walk by, huh? This video of him right now that's out here with the AR-15 running. Dude, how are we literally excusing this? This young boy was out here, 17, almost close technically to a man's age, because technically I graduated at 17 in the world Consider me a grown up when you graduate high school. So, so let's play this. Let's play this here. He's 17, has a gun in his hands. He's out there in dangerous streets as people are doing everything. And they're protesting everything as things are going about. You guys tell me that this man walks up to you with his hands in the air with an AR-15 sling to his side, and y'all didn't question any of this. As a police officer, you would think that you were supposed to question certain things of this magnitude if somebody's out here with their hands in the air walking to you with at least their AR-15 or some type of weapon wrapped around them. Now, I believe that a cop did, like, pull their gun out on them. Let's not get it twisted. I believe that I can seek through things that were like true but for you to say that my partner also pulled out pepper spray to spray him yo dog i didn't see none of that because i see a video right now as i'm talking to you i looked at and i saw whenever he had it was walking up to a police patrol car with his hands in the air i saw him standing right there for a brief second and i started seeing him walk back and start walking away i didn't see no type of mist fly out of that car i didn't see nothing so I can see him quickly start walking back if he sees another officer pull a gun out on him. I can see that completely quickly. But for you to say that you pepper sprayed him or your partner, that's completely unlikely and not true at all. But let's get down to the meat of the matter here. Rittenhouse got the gun at the age of 17. He wasn't legal to buy it, so his uh, sister's boyfriend brought it for him in, what, May of... 2020, let me go back and let me read that again. It was in, what month was that? Yeah, May. Well, no, May during the trip. Yeah, May. May he bought it from him. August he got it from him. But May was whenever they shot off the rounds, all that good stuff. You mean to tell me that he did not get that gun until August, where somehow miraculously he happened to grab it and start walking around with it at this uh, protest? You bought the gun from for him in May. You didn't give it to him, but somehow he had, ends up having it in August. People might say, Joe, well, ultimately, him and him, him and the sister's boyfriend went out to the protest, right? Cool, but you give him an AR-15. Ladies and gentlemen, AR-15s are weapons for military soldiers to go out there and start shooting up people all at one time, quick and aim, quick with a whole lot of aim, but really, really quick. If you play Call of Duty, if you play any Grand Theft Auto, if you play any type of war-type game or any type of shooting game that involves guns, 
they will have an AR-15. And you can see how quick an AR-15 unclips when you just pull the trigger. You mean to tell me you gave this 17-year-old boy an AR-15? Why? Because he wanted one after he saw yours? Dog, you should have said, no, nah, I'm going to hand you a handgun because you know what? This ain't for you right now. Whenever you get of age quickly, well, because he was getting of age whenever he does because he's 17. Whenever you get of age of 18, when you legally could buy an AR-15, that's whenever I can't put my name onto this gun and hand it off to you because if something happens to this gun, we'll get in, guess what? Ta-da! It's going to have my handprints on it. So now we're in that thing right now. The gun... I believe is registered or should be registered under that boyfriend's name. And he should have to face some type of stuff for this himself. Well, let's be honest. That gun was not stolen. You gave that gun to that kid. So you have to face some type of things for that because he was 17 at the time. And as you said in your testimony, he couldn't buy the gun. So you gave it to him. Guess what? You're held liable for that gun. You're held liable for the bodies that's on that gun. So guess what? You got to now deal with the consequences as well, boy. I don't see how we're not, like, paying attention to that fact as well. I believe probably after the case, somebody will. And I probably think if somebody hears me right now, they're probably going to say that, you know what? He's right. He should have to pay some type of situation for that. But, hey, we do what we do. But, again, that was not the only big trial for this week that's going on. Friday, and this is coming from NPR, prosecutor says that McMichaels chased Ahmaud Arbery for five minutes before killing him. Yes, we're now starting the Ahmaud Arbery trial. Friday was the start of it after they already picked all of their jurors this week. And every juror in that jury selection of their juror board are white except for one black male well black and you know the funny thing is the court has come out and said yo this ain't right the prosecution has come out and said this ain't right but the judge even said yo this ain't right and you know the funny thing is the judge still has hope that this case will be even unbiased and go along as the court should how can you even say that how can you say with a straight face yo this thing should go on as it's supposed to with nobody hurting anybody with all the case being the way that it should be with everything should go as it should that justice basically will prevail whether we get a guilty verdict or not guilty verdict this is a black man that got killed by two white dudes and a third guy was on camera recording it how can you say that you hope that this court will do its duty of finding everything regular and truthfully and justice will be served when there's 11 white people on this jury board and there's only one black person you're not going to find this thing even steven you're not going to find this thing as the most respected or even uh without problem juror jury this isn't now it was announced on abc uh good morning america why this happened because a lot of people within that community had some relationship to a martyr berry or the family of the martyr berries so 
I want to know, I'm really trying to question this because I said this, I believe, last week. How are we not taking this court case out of this state? How are we not putting it into another state? Because if you mean to tell me that the black individuals that you try to get for this um, juror selection, you mean to tell me that majority, or if not all of them, have some relationship, knew somebody that knew Ahmaud Arbery, was friends with somebody that was friends with Ahmaud Arbery, you mean to tell me that we couldn't have taken this court, this trial, out of there? as it was already reported last week or two weeks ago, that they were having a hard time finding people to uh, fill up this jury. You could have guys could have took this thing out of this state. I would have. There's no way on God's green. There's no way that this trial should truly happen with 11 people with one black. 11 white individuals, one black. Dog, this ain't fair, bro. This ain't fair. This ain't fair at all. It's not. Anyway, NPR reads, opening arguments in the trial over Ahmaud Arbery's killings begin Friday morning with Travis McMichael, his father, Gregory McMichael, and their neighbor, William Rody Bryant, facing murder trials, murder charges. Prosecutors are urging jurors to convict the three white men of several felonies, saying they chased Arbery, a black man, through a neighborhood in Glynn County, Georgia, and shot him to death with a shotgun. The defense says Travis McMichael shot Ahmad Arbery three times in self-defense as the McMichaels and Brian attempted to conduct a citizen's arrest of Arbery under their suspicions that he might have stolen something from under an under-construction house. How? Alright, I want somebody to explain this to me. What's up with the citizen's arrest? As citizens, we want to try to hold somebody and detain somebody. We are not police officers. We are not born with handcuffs. We are not given handcuffs at the age of 18 when you get your driver's license. Hey, here's handcuffs. If you happen to see somebody do something wrong, book them because you have a vehicle now. And if you can't book them, you chase them down and then you arrest them. Your job is not a police officer, dog. That's not your job. As a citizen, if you see something wrong, guess what? You call the cops and you do that if you're a civilian. Now, if you're with the street life, you can't call the street. You can't call the police officers because they'll see you as a snitch if you are of that street uh, mentality. But since we're not talking about the street right here, we're talking about civilians. You call police officers. How does a citizen's arrest really work? Do you hold somebody until police officers come and then you forgive him or her to the police officers? D no. Stop trying to place people under citizen's arrest. That is garbage. That is complete and utter stupidity. Because if that person happens to shank you, I can't blame the person for shanking you because you weren't minding your business. You didn't call the police officers and at least record the man or do something. You're going to try to hold him? No. If it's you by yourself trying to detain somebody, no. If it's you with a group of people, you at least have a better shot. And this was only, what, three people trying to hold down somebody else? Come on, dog. Y'all should have let him be. Y'all should have called officers if you wanted to, but this was so dumb. You are calling police officers and you're making a citizen's arrest on somebody that was running around in a spot that went into an under-construction home that nobody was living in, that this house was still being built. He walked in and looked around to see how the place looked. There have been television shows where people talk about they go into these homes that are being constructed and look inside to see how it's going to look. 
there's been million dollar listing on the Bravo TV shows. You've seen people talk about they go into these construction homes and they look into it to see how it's being built, to see the architect, to see what the design is going to look like. And people might say, Gerald, those are people that are real estate. Imagine what they do whenever the camera's not on. You have people that are in real estate business that go into these under construction homes and they just look inside to see how it's going to look and they hope that they are getting that property listing. Does that mean that they should be shot down? Do they, does that mean that they should be going and getting a citizen's arrest on somebody that's walking into an under construction home? No. It just called that that person is being nosy and they just stop being nosy. That's their only crime that they are. But this did not have to end in somebody being killed because of idiots not minding their God-loving business. Ladies and gentlemen, always remember, minding your business is free. Just keep your nose clean. Keep your nose away from that white powder. You understand? Because once you get into that white powder, which means chaos, you will be introducing chaos to you. And this was nothing but people putting their nose in nothing but white powder chaos. Understand? Now, I have something to say right here. I think that with both of these cases being publicized and being on everybody's front of their uh, minds, we're going to get a guilty verdict for one of the two. So this led me to my topic today. Which one do you want? Which one? Do we want Kyle Rittenhouse to be sentenced and found guilty? Or do we want Ahmaud Arbery's killers to be found guilty? I find it really weird how we're getting both of these cases at the exact same time. I've already talked to people that are around me. I've said, yo, we're going to get one of the two. We're not going to get both of these cases found guilty. And I've asked the question, which one do you want? Ahmaud Arbery or DeKal? And I've gotten responses saying Ahmaud Arbery because it was three guys bothering a black man that was doing nothing but running around and he's dead now. See? That is the thing. He was running and he went into a house. He was being nosy and he got killed for that. So, question to you guys. Which one do you want? Because we're not going to get both guilty. If so, I'll be shocked by that. And if we find if we get both of these cases not guilty, I'm going to be shocked by that too. Because guess what? They're throwing both of these cases out to us to, give, to let the people know, hey, we're going to give you one or the two. You're not going to get both. So you guys better start making your decision on social media. Which one do you want? Do you want Kyle to go down or do you want Omar Arbery's killers to go down? I have a strong feeling that we're not going to get both. Don't have your heights and your emotions set on like complete frustration if both of them uh, is found not guilty. Well, hold up. Let me backtrack. If both of these cases are found not guilty, I want people to be extremely upset because you know what? That is completely ridiculous but listen to me if we only get one of these cases with a guilty verdict don't be upset how about saying why did we get both guilty we're not going to that's the reason why they're throwing both of these high profile cases out to us at the exact same time so again i'll leave you with this question before i get off this topic which one do you want do you want Ahmaud Arbery's killers to go down, or do you want Kyle Rittenhouse to go down? Plus, sidebar, we need to arrest the boyfriend of Kyle Rittenhouse's sister because, again, 
his gun, and again, this was his gun, even though he bought it with Kyle's money, it don't matter. It was his gun that ended up shooting these people. So he has to be arrested or something. He probably has a deal with the DA or the prosecutor or whoever the case may be. I don't know. If he doesn't, yo, arrest him and send it, charge him with something. Because I know you at least can do something with that. Because that was his gun that Kyle Rittenhouse had whenever he shot off in, like, last year. So with that, find out that if we're going to get Kyle. Understand? But again, that was the reason why I entitled this, Which One Do You Want? Kyle Rittenhouse or Ahmaud Arbery. People on social media, please make your choices. I will be watching this, uh, both of these cases real, real up and close because you know what? I want to know which one we're going to get. Me personally, if I was a betting man, I will, I'm going to say we're going to get Ahmaud Arbery. I think we're going to let Kyle Rittenhouse off. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I think Kyle Rittenhouse is going to get a slap on the wrist. He's going to face some type of couple years in jail, but he's not going to face that many years in jail as he should because he went out there with an AR-15. But that's just me. The same thing with a white woman that uh, happened to get 60 days in jail this year, this uh, week. It was found out that a white woman that was a realtor uh, that went to the insurrection, the riots on January 6th, she's been sentenced to 60 days in jail. And she tweeted out before all this stuff happened, whenever she was going, uh, coming back from the insurrection, she said that she's not going to go to jail because she has blonde hair and she's white and all this type of stuff. The same stuff that I was saying to you guys a couple weeks ago on a episode, like a couple episodes ago, and I gave you the literal criteria where people start paying attention to people that go missing with, they have blonde, blonde hair, blue eyes, pretty face. She has blonde hair, pretty face, well, in her eyes. But she represented, she labeled the stuff that she, the reason why she wasn't going to go to jail. She labeled it because she has blonde hair. She's a white woman. She labeled that herself in a tweet. This ain't me making it up. This is me literally being serious. And so she's only getting 60 days in jail while in the idea of this, we all should be happy she's going to jail because she did Something that was completely, and I mean, uneth it was completely unethical. You're going into a place of extreme and high power like the Capitol, and you're storming it because of somebody that you wanted to win, didn't win. That is completely absurd, and you know better than that. So now you got to face the consequences of that. That's one. And then two, she is now getting 60 days in jail. There are people in jail that are facing more time because of marijuana charges, because of drug charges, all these type of things. Dog, we got people in there that are still right now innocent, and they are still in jail right now. People don't care. As a matter of fact, this leads me up to this right now, because I was willing to save this, but now nah, I'm going to do it right now because this ties into it. This is coming from the, the Grow. And it reads, the judge throws out man's guilty plea after body cam footage reveals New York Police Department drug planting. As it reads, the body cam footage shows an officer planting drugs in the cup holder of a car. A Staten Island man is getting a much-deserved second chance after a judge vacated his 2018 conviction. Body cam footage shows an NYPD officer in the arrest of Jason Serrano, seemingly planting marijuana 
in the car he was riding in March 2018. Gothamist WNYC reported at the time Serrano was arrested and charged with drug possession, resisting arrest, and obstructing governmental administration. Sorrento eventually pled guilty to the resisting charges three months later. He did so as a way to avoid being sent to the notorious Rikers Island. He was unaware of the body cam footage. Prosecutors shared the footage with Serrano's attorneys months after his guilty plea. The two officers who arrested Serrano were Kyle Erickson and Elmer Pasteran. They, their disciplinary records have since become an area of contention, which Gothamist WNYC was the first to make their records known. The site was able to obtain the records through an ongoing Freedom of Information Law campaign. The records reveal that Erickson, who was accused of planting the drugs in the cup holder of the car Serrano was a passenger in, was disciplined by the NYPD in two separate incidents in 2018. His record shows disciplinaries related to drug seizures. Prosecutors, however, did not turn Erickson's records over to Serrano's defense team. Judge Tomiko explained typically she'd be unable to vacate Serrano's conviction on the bias of district attorney's failures to turn over evidence, but she made an exception. However, this court finds that the body-worn camera footage taken with the officer's disciplinary files demonstrated that the defendant may have been searched and seized in violation of his constitutional rights, Tomiko wrote. Accordingly, the defendant's motions to vacate his conviction pursuit is granted. How? Oh, let me let me stop this right here. Let me read that back for you. The judge says she'll be unable to vacate Serrano's conviction on the basis of the district attorney's failures to turn over evidence, but she made an exception. What? This is a typical thing. She said typically she wouldn't be able to. Dog, this is a problem in America. Nope, we're not doing this. We're not doing this here. We have clear camera footage, and I mean clear camera footage of an officer planting drugs on somebody's car in a cup holder, and you mean to tell me that a judge would write it out that typically I wouldn't have been able to overturn it because of the evidence not being brought over in what? Turn What? Huh? You have the evidence. You have the evidence, but you made an exception. That's what I'm having a problem with. It's like somebody. It's like you finding something in a store, right? And it says twenty percent off. You find an item in the store, twenty percent off. You go to the cash register. You're trying to get it, and it says thirty five ninety nine. And you say, no, 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 no. On the things, it's twenty percent off, so it should be this. And then they completely just arguing with you and then you take it back to them and you show them you walk it to them and show them exactly where that 20% off sign is and they still try to say you know what this was not supposed to be but we'll give it to you you're not giving me jack diddle my g you have it right there in plain sight for everybody to see it how are you going to tell me that you're giving this to me just like this this footage you guys literally have it in the justice system you guys have this type of footage, but you know damn well you're not going to do anything about it. You're going to say, eh, whatever, we got to stack our jail systems up with people. No, 
No, this is ridiculous. This is a mischaracter of justice. You guys can't be doing that. There's are a lot of guys and gals right now that are innocent right now that are sitting in jail. And for them to even hear something about this saying, hey, yo, my thing could have been overturned and you guys didn't do it because of a technicality? Get the hell up out of here. You guys can't be doing that. You guys have the evidence. Get these people out of here. I have a major problem because it was because a judge said that she made an exception to this. No, this should be the law. If there's camera footage and you guys happen to make a boo-boo, hey, we're going to fix that boo-boo right now. We're going to get your client out of here after we saw some foul play. That's exactly what it should be. This ain't no, uh, technically we couldn't do it, but I'll make an exception on this one. No, no, to hell with that. And what about the two cops? They, the two cops, ladies and gentlemen, right now, uh, da, 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 da. let me give you something right now. The NYPD did not respond to requests regarding the status of the two officers' status of the force. Uh, per Pastrin is listed as being on military or extended leave while Erickson's name is no longer in the database. So either Erickson's either a different name or he's been fired or he moved to a different place. That's one option. And then his partner is listed on military or extended leave. So you mean to tell me that, yo, you guys didn't put these men under arrest for that? You mean to tell me that you did not place your officers under arrest after planting drugs on somebody? Where do we do this at? Where? Where do we literally allow these people to do something so egregious that you guys are just saying, oh, well, these are our law enforcement officers there. They're here to do, they're protecting, serving us. No, they're not protecting and serving in this instance, ladies and gentlemen. In this instance right here that I just read to you, these guys were protecting and serving Jack Diddle. They were dicks. They have a guy that is innocent in jail because he didn't want to go to Rikers Island. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what you call fear. You have a person that is afraid to go to Rikers Island. Then you have a person that will rather say, you know what, I'm going to plead guilty so I won't go to Rikers Island and so I can make this thing faster on myself instead of fighting this out and da-da-da-da-da. See, that's the problem that we have here. Whenever something like this to happen, the first thing that needs to be available to the prosecutor and the defense attorneys right away is the body camera footage. I mean, just strip it away from the officers and I mean have a... Some, uh, person that knows how to work in computers well to go inside the database and try to gank every footage that they can from that officer's day on that camera. Everything. And I mean everything. There are certain officers that know how to gank uh, footage off of it and edit it up so well that it makes it seem like, hey, yo, this is our daily to the normal eye. Everything will be exactly how it's supposed to be. But for the trained eye and for somebody that's trained to work in the uh, computer world, they'll be able to figure out, hey, yo, this ain't it, no, this doesn't, this doesn't match up, and they'll be able to gank it, figure out what's going on, and they'll be like, okay, this will got a race, and they'll be able to find a way how to get that footage back. This is not something that people don't know how to do. There's people out here that know how to do it. You just got to find the people that know how to do it. But how do we allow this to happen? How are we okay with this? How is a judge okay with saying that we don't usually do this, but I made an exception? 
That is not cool to say that at all. On any, it's not cool, bro. It's not. I want both of these officers fired. And this is why people have a bad taste in their mouth when it comes down to police officers. Because things like this, where we get police killings, that's one. No, no, police killing black victims and people in general, but majority black because it's showing off every time. That's one. We get police officers doing things they're not supposed to be doing, a.k.a. doing things that are not an officer's duty, a.k.a. Um, planting drugs, a.k.a. frisking somebody knowing they got no weapon on them. Two, uh, well, no, not two, but three. I reported, I said this a couple episodes back, about two officers uh, transferring drugs, or what they presume drugs, but then when they find out, it wasn't drugs. And now they're arrested. You got a lot of officers doing shady, undercutting, nasty things. How are we cool with this as a society? I'm not cool with it at all. I can't be. So with that, yo, I hope officers do better, and I want officers to start throwing people to the wolves, dog. Get them out of here. Seriously. Get these officers that are doing nasty things out of here. Because you know what? It's not cool because there's a lot of officers that are out here that are trying their damnness to um, build up officers' reputations back into the great light. And you got dirty cough officers like this that basically brings it back down. I salute the ones that are trying their hardest to uh, bring the officer name and the officer credibility back up. And I hope you guys do well too. And I hope, and I really do hope that we see a lot of officers that are not good officers get kicked out of police, uh, their police squadron, their police brotherhood. I hope so. Instead of the other way around, you being a quote unquote snitch because this officer was doing something dirty and you turned on him, quote unquote, turned on him. No, he turned on the badge himself whenever he, the dirty officer, would start doing something wrong and it was not of the code. But hey, that's officer's business, not mine. I'm a civilian, right? I'm only a guy that's observing things and knows basically what should be done. But we'll see how that happens more along in the future. And I want to turn on to another topic right here. And this topic is from the Atlanta Black Star, as it reads. Alabama judge offered off the bench after making, or well, after being accused of making racist comments and creating hostile work environment. As it reads, Judge Randy Jinks was removed from the bench in a rare decision made on February, not February, God, Friday, October 29th, after the Alabama Court of Judiciary said the Talladega County probate judge violated several of the state's canons of, ju of judicial ethics rules. The guidelines directed the judges to uphold the honor of the judiciary, maintain decorum, and avoid M propriety after he engaged in racist conduct and sexually inappropriate behavior. Jinx was out on suspicion suspension during trial proceedings, which wrapped up just late, well, just last week, Alabama.com reported, during which over a dozen witnesses, including the state's former governor, Bob Riley, testified. A 78-page document revealed that Jinx was at the center of more than 100 allegations which included reading out a meme reading out loud a meme related to the 2020 racial unrest stating because stating one of the memes read you sons of bees 
are going to need something to burn down after Trump gets reelected for a second term, sons of beast. Jinx was accused of making foul remarks about George Floyd, the unarmed black man who died while in custody of Minneapolis police officers. In addition, the now former probate judge was also accused of asking a black clerk officer, Darius Pearson, if he was a drug dealer when he purchased a new vehicle. In May 2019, Pearson testified that when Jinx saw his new car, he said that as a judge, he couldn't afford one, but inquired, what you doing, selling drugs? Pearson told NBC News, my heart skipped a beat after learning of the court's decision, knowing that it was important to hold a judge accountable. Employees also claimed that Jenkins used profane language and often threw tantrums, even once went on a tirade after his sandwich went missing from a refrigerator. <laughs> Furthermore, workers say Jenks abused his position's power to get and grant favors. The former judge has maintained his innocence, telling WOTM-TV last March, I am not saying I haven't made some errors, but the majority of these vicious, vile, and vulgar accusations are nothing to fear. He added, they can say what they want, they can't hurt me. Amanda Hardy, an attorney for the disgraced judge, told the outlet that her client may consider appealing the decision claiming that Jinx had never been accused of being racist. But once he entered the politics and became the first Republican to hold that office, that all changed. It's best to know that Jinx was not accused of making offensive remarks while on the bench, but instead in the workplace and around other employees. See, this is what I'm... See... Oh my god, this this is what I'm talking about right here. Dog, come on. Come on. I'm sorry, I laughed at my man throwing a tangent after his sandwich went missing from the refrigerator. I'm sorry for laughing at that, but that is hilarious. They put that in after all of this stuff, talking about him asking a uh, uh, clerk, a black clerk officer, asking him, did he purchase... Uh, the new car because he was a drug dealer, dude. Come on, dog. All right, let's let's cut let's cut the crap here. We know judges have some connections here and there. We know certain judges are not the judges that you're gonna say, "Oh my God, he's a great person to fault." Nah, nah. We all know that certain judges are not that great of a person. You guys mean to tell me you guys were able to write a 78 page document that had a hundred, no more. Then a hundred allegations of my man being a foul person. Yo, I don't know what it is or what it ain't, but if it takes 78 pages of more than a hundred allegations to get my man off of here, that's a lot. That is a lot, a lot. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you guys understand this. Do you guys know how thick 78 pages are? Seriously, look at a hundred page <clears throat> binder whenever you got to buy your kids one. Or a 100-page notebook when your kid's going to buy one. That's almost the exact same amount. Well, that's more than the exact same amount. Only by, what, 22 pages more than what this 78-page document was? Dog, come on. He has some racist tendencies in him. He said some uh, stereotypical things that were not cool. My man's off the bench now. That's cool. That's fine. I'm cool with that. Do I think this was politics? Do I think that this has some political undertone? Maybe. Why not? 
It could have been. Because, again, when politicians, when people that were not in politics get into politics, a whole lot of nasty, foul stuff starts getting pulled out from the woodwork. It starts getting pulled out from the dirt. Pulled out from your shadow. You can't live your uh, once un unblemished life as it now is blemished in full for the people to see and judge you. So this is what's happening now with this uh, former judge now. So again, I just find it funny. That's cool to me that he's off the bench. That's cool, whatever. <clears throat> I don't know what that means for homeboy. I don't know what that means for Randy Jenks to be off the bench, to be honest with you. They said that he could appeal it. We're going to see. And if he does... I don't think it's going to be that much of a big thing, to be honest with you. I have the, You know what? You know what really shocked me with this thing right here? They didn't say my man was... He didn't... They didn't say that Randy Jinks said things on the bench that was derogatory, offensive, and all these type of things. They said that this was off the bench, meaning off work, off clock schedule. So you took him off the bench... After he said some things off the clock. He is supposed to uphold the court in high standards. He's a representative of the court. So that's the reason why he's off the bench for people that don't understand that. And I understand why they did what they did. That's cool and all. I just would have wished that in the 78 page, they would at least said that my man did this while he was on the bench. But from what I'm understanding, this was all while he was off the bench. So he was a wild boy while he was off the bench, off his off-duty time of being a judge. Being a judge, civil, respectable, off the clock, wild boy. So, hey, once you take that oath to always be a representative for your thing that you're under when you're saying that you're going to be a model citizen or anything else, you got to be a model citizen 24-7, and you fell prey to this. So let this be a thing to every judge out here or anybody that's going to think about going into law. You got to represent the court at all times, 24-7. You got to be a model citizen because if not, you could be kicked off just like this guy was. Just keep that in mind, all right? Now to my next topic, and this is coming from, again, Atlanta Blackstar. As the title reads, a Florida teacher named Teacher of the Year felt a student's pushback on her award was a threat. Now she's arrested for child abuse after retaliating, allegedly striking the student. As it reads, Caroline Melanie Lee, a teacher at Darnell Cookman Middle-High in Jacksonville, Florida, was recently tapped as Teacher of the Year. However, just as she settled into her new honor, she was arrested and charged with third-degree felony child abuse for allegedly striking a student at the school. Lee is accused of hitting a girl who has not been named in the face, causing her nose to bleed after the student reportedly questioned Lee's appropriateness for the honor on social media. A Duval Schools police report obtained by News 4 Jack stated in a now since deleted Instagram post, Duval County Public Schools shared Lee's photo, but instead of congratulatory remarks, some people in the comments section reportedly questioned whether the 60-year-old was the same teacher who used the N-word and engaged in other microaggressions against students. Lee denied the using the slur in an offensive matter, claiming that she was only saying it when reading the John Steinberg controversial novel of 
mice, men, mice of mice and men in class. In addition, officers also stated that Lee acknowledged that it was her word against the school against the girls, but still maintained she did not cause physical harm to the child, according to the outlet. Authorities say Lee claimed she thought the message on Instagram was a threat to kill her. She noted that she was not afraid and did not feel the need to report the message to staff. On Friday, October 29th, police said Lee went to the first period class of the student and asked that teacher if she could speak to the student privately. The teacher later told the student, who does not have any classes with Lee, of, her, of this request, but the girl did not comply with it. The police report says Lee later returned to the same class and got the girl to leave with her. School surveillance video shows Lee walking at an aggressive pace to her classroom with the student following to the incident. A boy at the door to Lee's room was told to leave, and Lee and the girl went inside and closed the doors. Once they were inside talking about the post, that's when Lee reached across the table and struck the girl several times, causing her nose to bleed, the student told officials. A few minutes later, the student was seen leaving the classroom, holding her face and walking with a now low demeanor to a guidance counselor's office where she reported the incident. The WHO had been at the door confirmed that all but a calm conversation took place in Lee's classroom, telling authorities he heard shouting coming from inside. Principal Tyrus sent out a statement to students in the community via voicemail, stating, It is very disappointing, but I am compelled to share with you that one of our teachers was arrested today on campus for child abuse. He added, Even more disappointing, the teacher arrested is our recent Teacher of the Year nominee. An investigation into the situation is said to be ongoing, and Lee has been since removed from the school and will not return pending the outcome of the findings. She, had now, she has now since been released on her reconnaissance and was ordered not to make contact with the student. Her next court date is November 22nd. After reading that whole long soliloquy, and this is an old white woman teacher, by the way, too. What was the deal? Okay, is a student saying that, hey, yo, this teacher might not be the one to get the uh, teacher award? How are you, as a teacher, saying, you know what, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to try to pull the teacher, I'm going to try to pull the kid out. And I'm just going to have a conversation with him. No, as an adult, you ignore it. You there are the adult in the situation. You can ignore exactly what this kid said. You can ignore that, but you chose not to. And further along, you decide to again pull the kid out of class. And this time you take that kid to your classroom and you shut the door behind you. And you and this kid start having a quote-unquote, conversation, but more of an argument, if you will, and you reach back and start whopping this kid directly in the face multiple times, and they say surveillance video shows that you, with this kid, walked into your room. Minutes later, the kid walks out holding their face and walking down in a lower demeanor, and they went to the guidance counselor's office, and then minutes later, somehow, they were reported this Come on, dog. This doesn't take a rocket scientist. This is not something. This is real elementary, my dear. One plus one equals two. This teacher did this. What are we doing? You have the teacher. You have it on surveillance. You know what the teacher did. What the hell are we doing? Let that be your kid getting mollywhopped by a teacher in a private area. Dog, there would have been no chance in hell as me 
hearing this and seeing this and let that be my kid, there's no way. Police officers are not going to stop me from getting at this teacher for that. I'm going to get at that teacher one way or another, whether I wait at their house or whether I see them directly in their face at that school whenever I got to pick my kid up. Some way, somehow, I'm going to find out where whoever that teacher is going to be. There's no way that teacher would have been hiding from me. There's nothing on God's green that would have stopped this. How is it okay? People are going to say, Joe, this is not okay. The teacher got arrested. Not, no, no, you're not understanding me here. How is it okay in an adult's mind to confront a child that's not theirs about a comment that was sent on social media? It's social media, ladies and gentlemen. It's not real. You can shut it off at any time you feel like it. Twitter, you can get off of it. Facebook, you get off of it. YouTube, if you make YouTube videos, you can disarm the comments or you could not read the comments at all. What are we doing here? Literally, we have now come into a society that we're so pansified and we're still snowflakish that if somebody says one bad thing about me, I gotta confront them? No, you ignore them. It's simple and easy, ladies and gentlemen. You ignore the devil out of them. And that's exactly what this teacher, this adult, should have done. They should have ignored the comment section ignore what somebody said to him and called it a day. Hey, I got the teacher award. Yay for me. But no, you ended up taking the kid out of class. You wanted to have a conversation and tell the kid they'd probably take the comment down and they said, nah. And you walk back with a hissy fit later to grab him and then start playing some uh, boxing on their face. Like they're a beanbag. Like they're a punch dummy. What are we doing? What are we doing? Seriously. There should be no court case set for this. This should be an easy deal. Throw the book at this teacher. Get that person out of here. Seriously. And this is why certain adults fear their kids going into classrooms. Again, of things of this parameter. You got teachers that are unstable that are going to hit your child in the face. Nah, that's not right. That's not cool. You understand that? Get it through your heads. Do not touch other people's kids because you don't know who you're messing with when you're doing that because let me tell you something certain parents you mess with theirs they coming to get you let's just call a spade a spade and with that teachers if you're hearing me professors if you're hearing this if a kid if a kid if a parent if somebody happens to leave something under your comments on social media ignore it it's free you understand because this this is going to cost money for this teacher this is going to cost money for the school and i guarantee you them that that parent or those parents of that one child is going to get some money out of this they're going to sue that school for this because that teacher was under the working contract of that school so now that school is going to get a lawsuit watch what i tell you it's not going to take that long for that to happen but anyway now on to my next topic here. I want to talk about Joe Biden and the Biden administration. This is coming from Yahoo Finance. As it reads, the Biden administration unveils in details of vaccine mandate covering 84 million workers. On Thursday, senior Biden administration officials announced details of a highly anticipated mandate requiring U.S. employers with 100 or more workers to ensure employer employees 
are either fully vaccinated for COVID-19 or tested each week for the virus. The officials also unveiled details of a separate mandate that will require employers participating in Medicare or Medicaid to have a fully vaccinated workforce with no testing alternatives. The first rule covers 84 million U.S. workers or two-thirds of the U.S. workforce, officials said. That rule, which will be administered by the Labor Department's Occupational Safety and Health Administration, will require employees to be fully vaccinated by January the 4th. Employees who aren't fully vaccinated by January the 4th have to produce a verified negative test to their employers every week and begin wearing a mask at work as of December 5th. Workers who test positive for COVID-19 or receive a diagnose, diagnosis from a licensed health care provider have to be removed from the workplace. The rule doesn't require employers to pay for the test, though agreements with unions may require employers to cover the bill. Stating, well, starting December 5th, the OSHA rule will require covered employers to provide workers with paid time off to require to receive vaccines as well as sick leave to recover from vaccine side effects that preclude working. Employer penalties for non-compliance with the OSA's rule could include fines based on the number of violations and range, range up to approximately $13,653 for a single violation, official says. Fines are significantly higher, up to 136,532 floor employers who have who willfully violate standards. White House officials say OSA plans to carry out inspections. The second rule, administered by the Medicare and Medicaid services, requires covered health care providers to ensure all workers are fully vaccinated by January 4th. The rule applies to more than 17 million workers at approximately 76,000 health care facilities, officials said. While covered Healthcare employees don't have a testing option. Biden administration officials said the CMS rule will offer religious and medical exemption, and facilities must have a plan to ensure they comply with these exceptions, the officials said. All workers, including contractors within covered healthcare facilities, are subject to the CMS rule regardless of their job responsibilities. Covered facilities include hospitals, ambulatory surgery centers, dialysis facilities, home health agencies, and long-term care facilities. To be considered fully vaccinated, workers must have two doses of Pfizer or Moderna's COVID-19 vaccine or one dose of Johnson & Johnson's. Facilities that don't comply with the CMS rule may have to pay civil penalties or may be denied funding as a last resort. Officials said facilities can be terminated from Medicare and Medicaid programs. 21 states that adopt their own occupational standards in place of the OSHAs will have a 30-day window to implement their respective rules. They must be as effective or more effective than OSHAs. Okay, this is a whole lot of medical jargon, but here's the deal. What I'm getting at here, one side of it, there's going to be one, there's going to be two different situations. One situation is you get some workers and some employees that are cool with your workers either being vaccinated or either they're going to be tested each week for the virus. That's cool. That's one side of it. 
And then another side is, hey, yo, there is no if, ands, but, yo, your people got to get the vaccine. Your people got to be vaccinated. And if not, they got to be there. They can't, they, there is an exception for religious or medical purposes. And if there is that case, the people that have those excuses, there has to be something in the wick for them inside that job. All right, cool and all, cool and damn, but I still have a problem with this whole vaccine being pushed onto people. Again, I don't care about, I don't care. I do not care, I do not care, I do not care. If you want to get the vaccine, you get it. If you don't, you don't. There's no such thing as somebody, uh, in my idea, for me, anti-vaxxers are denying science and denying everything else and da-da-da-da-da. Me, I'm not denying science. Science is here for a reason. People are scientists for a reason, all right? I just don't believe in this, uh, this vaccine right now because, again, I got to constantly say this, it's too brand new. COVID just happened literally last year in America. And for we just now have a vaccine in the beginning of the year. It was nothing but trial runs. I don't care what you guys want to say or not. The people that got the vaccine early, early, those were trial runs, ladies and gentlemen. I think we're going to come out with the real, real vaccine, what? Probably next year or the year after that. That's whenever that stuff will kick in. And then I'll probably change my stance on getting the vaccine. I'll probably get it then. Like I said, right now, it's still too brand new early to me. I'm not saying I am a disbeliever of science. Science is here for a reason. But right now, that COVID stuff, that, that vaccine is still too brand new to me. And I have a problem with just people being forced to take it. You being forced to take a vaccine that you don't feel comfortable with taking, that's not right. That's not cool. Now, happen now. If you happen to die because of COVID and people are going to constantly say, oh, the vaccine could have saved you. Listen here, dog. There's been people that got the vaccine right now and they still die because of COVID. And it has everything to do with how your body takes and handles situations. All right. Right now, here's here's something for you guys right now. Right now, I've been walking around uh, my college right now and people have been getting the sniffles. People have been getting sick. People have been like blowing their nose in class and they have to take down their mask a little bit to blow their nose and they throw it away. You get the drift. It's starting to get cold season around here. Me right now, I'm cool. I'm cool as a cucumber because I said it last week. I've been sick majority of my time of my life and right now I've been on a hot streak of not getting sick. I've been on a hot streak of just being all right, being cool. I've just been straight. Right now, in the South right now, it was cold this past couple of days. Like, Friday was cold. Thursday got some breeze. But Saturday was really Saturday had some like really, really breeze. So I mean, it was cold down here for these past couple of days in South Carolina. So I know how to handle myself. I know how when it was cold, or I put some jacket on, what type of stuff I'm gonna wear, because my body is my body. I know how to maintain my body. I know how to work my body around, right? Other people know how to work their body around. I just have a problem with Yo, we got to make people get this vaccine, whether they want to or not, because we're trying to preserve everybody. Listen, they're trying to preserve themselves. They're trying to make sure they live as well, bro. So if you're going to try to preserve everybody, then guess what? Everybody includes that one person. And if that one person doesn't doesn't feel right with taking this, you got to figure out a way, all right, what will make them comfortable? And you got to make them comfortable, all right? The people that want to take the vaccine and they feel comfortable with it, guess what? Let them get it. People that don't feel comfortable with it, all right, let's try to find out a way how to make you guys comfortable. 
and I'm glad that we're slowly at least getting to that because I like the first option, you know, like, yo, you're going to have to get tested every week and show off a negative uh, test. Hey, I'm cool and fine with that if that was the case. Straight up, I'm cool. I'll be cool with that because you know what? You're not taking my livelihood away from me. You're not taking money out of my pocket. It's not like, oh, you're being fired because you're not wanting to get in the vaccine. No, Joe, you know the repercussion of it. You just got to uh, take a test and you got to show it to your employer every week. All right, that's fine and dandy. Cool. I'll be able to do that as long as they don't swipe all the way up in my nose so flipping hard. Um, But yeah, I just wanted to bring that to y'all. Uh, bring that up to y'all attention. There's two more subjects I want to get to you guys before I get up out of here. And one technically is technically about the vaccine in a way, because earlier this week, football star and Super Bowl champion Aaron Rodgers uh, got popped for being um, unvaccinated and he got popped for basically having COVID because at a press conference, he talked about how uh, he got COVID and somehow people found out that he was unvaccinated and they brought back clip of him earlier in the season talking about he was immune. He got, he was immunized. And this is coming from CNN because they'll break it down much more better than I can. CNN reports, Aaron Rodgers tells radio show he is unvaccinated and getting COVID advice from Joe Rogan. I'm not going to read the Joe Rogan part to you, but as it follows, Green Bay Packers star, Quarterback Aaron Rodgers confirmed he is unvaccinated against COVID-19 and is disappointed with the treatment he's been receiving in the media while appearing on the Pat McAfee show on Friday. I realize I'm in the crosshair of the woke mob right now, Rodgers said. So before my final nail gets put into my cancel culture cancel casket, I think I would like to set the record straight on so many of the blatant lies that are out there about myself. Rogers said the media was on a witch hunt to find out which players were vaccinated and blame reporters for asking him, blame reporters for him saying he was immunized back in August. While talking with McAfee on the Series XM show, the three-time MVP repeated some COVID-19 miscommunications, no, misconceptions, and said he had, he has conferred with podcast host Joe Rogan on how to deal with the coronavirus uh, infection. The 37-year-old Rogers said if any reporter would have asked a follow-up question, he would have explained that he's not an anti-vaxxer, anti-vax flat earther, but he's a critical thinker. Roger added he has been following the strict NFL protocols for unvaccinated players to a T. Roger described the daily testing he is subjected to every day, even on off days, and believes the rules are in place to shame unvaccinated player people. Rogers said he has been tested over 300 times before testing positive this week. Rogers said he experienced some mild symptoms for roughly 48 hours, but currently feels great. He wasn't certain when he would return to the field or what protocols were in place for him now that he tested positive for the novel coronavirus. Um, it says right here, the co- the quarterback who has led Green Bay to a 7-1 record will not play in the Packers game against Kansas City's Chiefs this weekend due to COVID-19 protocols, the team head coach uh, announced Wednesday. Now, here's what's the big thing that people were basically were getting all into a, upset about. He's saying that he was immunized earlier in the August press conference. And do you want to know what immunized means? 
Immunize, if you look it up in the dictionary, it means make, and it put in parentheses, a person or am, animal immune to infection, typically by insulation. And it put it in a sentence. The vaccine is used to immunize children against measles. So it means to protect them. So he was saying that he was protected. When people said that, and when people say they're immunized, especially with this whole COVID thing, especially with this vaccine stuff going around, people assumed that he was vaccinated. And he carried on about his daily-to-day -day life. I can't hate on Aaron Rodgers for that. I cannot do that. I can't hate on that. However, this is whenever we started getting the tricky part. I hate how the media and the media people are technically not giving him the same tongue lashing that they gave Kyrie Irving. And I'm speaking to you, Stephen A. Stephen A., my man, you are the black. You are ESPN. You're the man of ESPN. I was started off and I said black. I want to say this. You're the black man of ESPN. You are ESPN. You are the man. If you walk away from ESPN right now, ESPN is going directly into the rut because you're the last great face of ESPN. Think about it. When Whenever you and Skip had first take, and when Skip left first take to go and do his show with Shannon Sharp on uh, FS1 Undisputed, you became ESPN's first take guy already right there. And then whenever you and Max Kellerman were doing y'all stuff on first take, people were rocking with it, but people still missed Skip. But the people were still rocking with it because they had you. Because you were the guy that was able to do and uh, give credible insight on the game of football, basketball, any topic that you guys covered, you guys were able, you were able to do and give some insight on. Because you had these relationships with athletes, coaches, all the stuff, etc. And then once you got Max Kellerman off the show because you said that, all right, it was time. And Max is now on the radio show in the morning. And I've heard Max in the morning when I drove to school. Okay, you now are now doing uh, rotating co-hosts, like guest co-hosts, okay? You are ESPN. You're the man. You just heard what I just said. You got Max kicked off the show. You did. You got Max kicked off the show. Don't tell me that you ain't got power and stroke in ESPN. Don't tell me you ain't the face of ESPN. You are Mr. ESPN, all right? So for you to... Give Aaron Rodgers not that same venom and vile that you did for Kyrie Irving. That's a problem for me. That's a problem as a black man looking at another black man giving it up to a white dude. I'm sorry right there. That was ESPN calling me. Ha, joke. Just playing. But still, that was, let's think about it. That's wild. That is legitimately wild. As a black man, I'm sitting here watching you giving it up. And you're not you're going your typical team in Stephen A. fashion on Kyrie Irving, but you're not doing that for Aaron Rodgers. That's crazy to me. And I wasn't the only person that noticed this. Your own guest on the show, Jay Williams, he was on the show and he talked about that. As a matter of fact, I have a clip right here that I want you guys to listen to of Jay Williams basically getting on Stephen A. for not getting at Aaron Rodgers the same way that he would get at Kyrie Irving. And I'm about to let this play for you right about now. Three and a half weeks ago, you said it amounts to betrayal for Kyrie. You said, quote, flat out stupid as it relates to what he's doing. Quote, bad teammate. Quote, selfish. October 16th on CNN. To the hell with you. You say all these things about Kyrie Irving, and Kyrie Irving was very upfront 
and honest about what his situation was. Mm -hmm. He wasn't jeopardizing anybody else. He didn't put anybody else on the Brooklyn Nets and their team at risk. When he was allowed to be around the team, he had his mask on. He abided by all the rules. But he was subject to mass criticism by you, animated criticism by you. Mm -hmm. And then I'm in the green room, and I watch you, and I see your points that you had against Aaron Rodgers, and I appreciate the stance by calling him a liar. I just didn't feel the same venom. I didn't feel the same energy that was associated with Kyrie Irving. And a part of me wonders why. Ladies and gentlemen, you just heard the names that Stephen A. called uh, Kyrie Irving. You heard those names. Those were very, very venomous. And if you know how Stephen A. talks, you know that he spoke it with a whole lot of charismatic charisma and a whole lot of uh, goofiness the way he said it. But nevertheless, that's the way Stephen A. talks. So without further ado, here's uh, Stephen A.'s response to that i can answer it. you ready yes well first of all i, I came here to hear your answer okay well first of all number one i wasn't sitting across from you talking about aaron Rodgers. i was sitting across from bart scott and dan olofsky who both agreed with me you and i were arguing so that might have had something to do with my intensity level okay to answer that question directly. okay that's number one number two let's go down the list about what i'm saying because again i've been on the record aaron Rodgers is a liar aaron Rodgers to be suspended Period. I don't know how much stronger I could be than that. Okay. Now, that's number three. I heard Bart say he should be suspended. I heard you tack on that. I didn't heard you leave. All right. All right. No, I hear you, but, I, but listen to me. Right. When, when, you, when you set arguments now, yeah. when you feel but passionately but, about but, something, but, you but, would say but, he should be suspended. No, no, no. What I'm saying to you is that you and I were getting into an intense argument. Bart Scott, myself, and Dan Orlovsky were agreeing with one another. So what I'm saying is the level of intensity, which is what you brought up, since you were questioning my life. Yes, yes. I'm telling you why. Now I'm back with you again. Do I sound like I sound with Bart? It no. sounds like I'm you're passionate now. No, like you because, care. Because I'm sitting across from you. Now you heard how Stephen A. sounded right there. He sounded first really, really petty. And then secondly, he started to get up tone with his voice. The reason why he said because I'm sitting across from you is because he's sitting across from somebody that's going to hold him accountable, hold him to the exact same standard that Stephen A. holds every other athlete to the exact same standard and what Stephen A. judge and critiques them. Jay Williams is a person that's going to judge Stephen A. Just like everybody else that's sitting at home, because we all were sitting at home that watches sports. People that watch sports. Me, I don't watch sports, but whenever I hear criticism about somebody of high magnitude, like Kyrie Irving, the way that he's holding his own with this whole vaccine deal, and I'm hearing that Stephen A. talk smack about him, Jay Williams is doing exactly what people like me would love to do to Stephen A. We're holding him accountable. We're asking him why he's not holding Aaron Rodgers to that same standard, why he's not spending that much venom to Aaron Rodgers the way he did to Kyrie Irving. And to make it worse, Kyrie Irving is a black man while Aaron Rodgers is a white man. And we know we're constantly keep on saying that it's about where it's not about race, but it is about race at the end of the day. But nevertheless, I want to play you just one more clip from Jay Williams and Stephen A. And Stephen A. concludes his situation or why he is talking the way he's talking about Kyrie the way that he does. And here comes the clip right now. Do I believe that Kyrie Irving owes Kevin Durant and James Harden them to be there? You damn right. That's where you and I agree. I mean, disagree. Because Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant and James Harden are in Brooklyn because of Kyrie Irving. So let me make sure I got this right. You're spending all that much venom and hatred towards Kyrie Irving because of two grown butt men deciding to go over to Kyrie Irving and wanting to team up with him. That's what you're upset about. You're upset at two of the great NBA players going over there to Kyrie instead of going to the Knicks. I feel that this is some type of Knicks hate because Stephen A is a longtime Knicks fan and he was hoping for 
Kevin Durant and James Harden to go to the Knicks. But when he went to the Nets to join Kyrie Irving, that's why you're upset because Kyrie supposedly has this mystic wisdom power that was able to just grab these guys from their respective places and, hey, come over here so we can do something over here. That's why you're upset. Whether people want to admit that or not, I think there's some little bit of Knicks resentment with Stephen A for that trade right there. And then he tries to go on and say, well, that, yeah, sure, that without this vaccine, thing, without this, he didn't, Kyrie didn't know this whole vaccine thing and this whole pandemic thing was going to happen. But let's look back at Kyrie's history. Kyrie has been a Johnny-come-lately. Whenever he wants to show up, he shows up. Whenever he wants to train, he trains. That's not your responsibility as a person that's just an analyst watching. Yes, we can say, hey, yo, my man's not doing well. Or what is he doing? He didn't pay this one money. Yes, as an analyst. But you're taking out a whole lot of much more frustrations than you should, especially because you're not a part of that uh, roster. You're not a GM. You're not an owner, Stephen A. You're just a guy that's getting paid millions of dollars to be at these games, to be an analyst, to give out your opinion. Why are you so upset? I understand sports fanatics and fandom Everybody gets upset, especially whenever you get like sport fantasy draft teams and all this type of stuff. I understand how people get upset, but you are an analyst getting paid millions of dollars. You can easily get the public to either love somebody or hate somebody. That's the type of sway that you have as an analyst. And you're using that power to make people hate Kyrie Irving. A young black man that is standing on his morals that's saying, hey, yo, I don't want to get this vaccine. I'm not trying to hear that. That's what you're doing. That's what you choose to do because of Kyrie Irving supposedly getting James Harden and Kevin Durant on that team. Stephen A, take a look into the mirror. My man asks, what am I doing? Who have I become? This is not becoming of a black king. We are all black kings and queens. This is not becoming of you, brother. This isn't becoming of you. I'm 25 years old. I know how to act on television if I get on television. I know how to act in front of people. I know how to act and represent myself and represent my culture and represent the people around me. Again, Stevie Day, you are the face of ESPN. You are Mr. ESPN. That should be on your license plate. That should be on a... Jacket that ESPN slash Walt Disney gives you, Mr. ESPN, because you are literally the last of that dying pillar of that building that's standing there. You are literally the last of the Mohegans that were there. You have Jamel Hill that's gone. You have Skip Bayless gone. Damn Lebertart gone. You are literally the last of it. And I'm not trying to exclude the dude that was with Jamel Hill on their show. I just can't remember your name, my guy. You're also gone. Come on. Stephen A., you are literally the last of that dying ESPN pillar that can get people there because of your name value. And you know it good and full well. Do better. Do better, my man. If you're going to get at somebody, you got to get at somebody the exact same way that you would get at them. And especially with this both being two of the exact same situations, the only difference is two things. One's a black and white situation, and one is also somebody telling you point blank, hey, yo, I'm not getting that vaccine, and the other person say, hey, yo, I'm, immune, I'm immunized. Meaning, in everybody's assumption mind, would say, hey, this guy's taking the vaccine, and then when it pops that, hey, yo, he didn't take the vaccine, 
yo, you got to go at him 10 times as hard because he was playing people under the assumption that he was vaccinated. That's a problem. I'm not mad that Aaron Rodgers was able to screw the game and able to figure out the game. I'm not mad at Aaron. I'm never transferring this attitude towards Aaron because he was able to out finesse the game. Kyrie was up front with the game and said, nah, I'm good. Aaron Rodgers, apparently, there's a way that you could be unvaccinated and still play the game, and he was able to do that. In NBA, nah, they're telling you, you got to get vaccinated or you can't play in. That's just short and simple. But NFL, they have a thing that we all didn't know about, but apparently they do. So it is what it is. I can't get mad at Aaron Rodgers for that because he just exposed it out to the world. Hey, NFL got something that we can be unvaccinated. We can still play. We got to go through some testing or whatever the protocol is. I can't get mad at him. I'm mad at you, Stephen A., for throwing all that vitriol and venom onto Kyrie and not giving it to the NFL and Aaron Rodgers themselves. That's who I'm mad at. Now, I believe that's what everybody's mad at you for not doing that. But hey, you're you're Mr. ESPN. What do I know? I'm a guy that's here on my microphone talking towards you. Just saying, bro, do better. You are the last of that pillar. You're the great face of that pillar, and you're a black face. You are literally the face. That's a black man, the face of ESPN. ESPN owned by Disney, so technically... There it is. You're Mr. One part of Disney itself in a extended arm of the fashion. You are. It is what it is because Disney and their big trying to take over the world. They got ESPN. They got Hulu. They got Marvel. And then they got Disney themselves. Out of those four, you're Mr. 25% right there. You're Mr. ESPN. Do better, bro. Do better. Now, with that being said, before I get you guys out of here, I want to talk to you guys about one more last thing. And this is one of me. I want to talk about Silk Sonic. Their album is supposed to be coming out this upcoming Friday. Yes, this upcoming Friday, the 12th. And um, they dropped a new single last, what, just a couple days ago. And it's called Smoking Out the Window. I want to play it for you guys right now. And I want you guys just to hear the lyrics from this. Matter of fact, hear the lyrics and hear the beat. All right? And... Here's smoking out the window. Must have spent 35, 45,000 up in Tiffany's. Oh, no. Got a badass kids running around my whole crib like it's Chuck E. Cheese. that song right there that song to me is basically a part two of keep my door open keep my door open was about yeah letting your lover or whoever that you're with hey i'm gonna keep my door open whenever you want to come in we can do what we do we do that and that's basically what keep my door open was 
this one smoking out the window. My man is basically saying that his girl ain't his girl. She's apparently with everybody, and he's finding out. So he is in shambles. All right, and she had him paying the rent and doing all these other things. Hey, this is a great song. This song was better than Skate. I don't know how they got away with pulling Skate out their butt and throwing that up to us as the second single. And they should have kept that on the album. Just straight up and try to throw this one out to us. And as a matter of fact, they should have threw this album to us way earlier than what it is now. Because Keep My Door Open came out in March. While this song and their album's coming out in November, dog. That is a solid eight months waiting time for us to have to wait for the Silk Sonic Project. Hey, Beggars Can't Be Choosers, I'm happy that we're getting it. I'm just going to be all in your tails if this song, if this album made that great. If you mean to tell me you only got two great songs on this album and we had to wait legit a solid eight months for it, yeah, Silk Sonic, we're going to have some, I'm going to have some talks with you next week. I'm going to have some talks. But now that that has been said, let me get you guys out of here. You can reach me at on Twitter at my two podcasts on Instagram. You can reach me at my two cents podcast G two, all one word, and on um, my email for if you want to email me about anything of whether you be suicidal, support, depressed, happy, you just want to get some type of emotion off your chest. My email is my two cents pod at yahoo.com. Again, my two cents pod at yahoo.com. And also, I have a YouTube channel. I have been having this YouTube channel for months, but I didn't want to like publicize this because it was just basically what you hear on audio. It's basically just seeing the voice volumes going up and down. But anyway, it's all one word. My two cents podcast. You're going to see it in the uh, description is all right there. Um, I'm also on wisdom wisdom. You can find me at my name is Gerald Garrett G2 on wisdom. I'm going to be on it tomorrow and I'm going to talk about um, privilege and then I'm going to talk about it a little bit of what I talked about here on that app Monday but I just want to give you guys a heads up on what I'm going to talk about on Monday and uh, with that this isn't goodbye this is until you hear from this uh, sweet sounding voice again this has been G2 he is I and I am him I love you all and always remember I love you I love you I love you to get that in before i get out of here but anyway this has been my two cents podcast presented by g2 i love you all this is it this is the beginning of a new week going to this week uh destroying it killing it and crushing it i have faith in you all i'm putting a lot of my prayers on you guys every single time i pray every single morning so with that i hope you guys have a great solid weekend have a not weekend but a week great solid week and uh a great sunday as well and with that kanye can you please Take these people home. I'm tired, you tired, uh-huh. Jesus wept. Well.